Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm William Hosea. Welcome back to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show in our 14th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. Good evening, I'm Roberta Radovich. In today's broadcast, you'll also hear our perspective on what's relevant in the African American world of news and local events of interest, all in the next hour on Bring It On. But first... The First Baptist Colored Church of West Baden Springs, Indiana, has been under restoration for several years, and we've talked about it. It is on the National Register of Historic Places and has appeared on Indiana's Landmark's 10 Most Endangered List. The renovation of this historic church would meet the spiritual needs of this community through will meet the spiritual needs of this community through worship, fellowship, and ministry to all people without discrimination. In addition, once this project is complete, the end result will enable the enhancement of faith, hope, and love through educating and inspiring present and future generations. And here once again to provide some background on this historic project and to talk about an upcoming documentary is bringing on contributor Liz Mitchell. Liz and several other committed volunteers have routinely traveled back and forth to West Baden Springs to work on the re- uh, on the renovation project. Liz, welcome to Bring It On. Hey, welcome. Good evening, Bloomington. Happy holidays, All right, everybody. Then. So, so let's unpack this now. Okay. Because this restoration project has been so important, uh, especially to the community down there. Yes. So we've talked about this for several times. Maybe what four? Maybe. Uh, yeah, at least four or five, five, four or five times. At least four or five times. Yes. And so, uh, why don't you go ahead and and just give us a summary uh, once again? Tell us about sure. the background because, and after that, you're ready to take this to the next level. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me tell you about this church and how that all came about. Let's do a little bit of history on mm-hmm. it. Uh, Sinclair, Mr. Sinclair, was the owner of West Baden Hotel, and there was a little bit of rivalry between the town of West Baden and French Lick. So Mr. Sinclair didn't want his colored help to go to French Lick to go to church. He wanted them to be at church right there in West Baden. So he sold a lot to his maids, bellhops, and waiters for a dollar. And they built this church, a gorgeous little small one-room church. It holds about 100 people. They did an awesome job when they built it. It's kind of like uh, the flooring's like stadium at the front. You could roll a a, a quarter down to the <laughs> end from the front door to the back door, and that they built it that way on purpose so that the women coming in that had hats and stuff on, you could sit in the back and see up over it. We are restoring this church because it was about ready to fall in. One of the main things for me as a historian to save this church It's the last remaining building pertaining to the African-American communities in Orange County, not just West Bay. So it's very important to save it because you probably know that everything else had been restored except for this church. 
There Didn't it was that. falling in. So it ended up on the list of endangered buildings, Indiana's most endangered list. And Reverend Turan out of Evansville saw it, a bunch of other people saw it, and he said that the Baptist Southeast should probably save this church. And so we were told by West Baden uh, City Council, if you're able to renovate it, you'll get it for a dollar. So here we are revisiting wow. that dollar. So we had it about three years with no funds, and then we actively started to fundraise about a year ago, and we had a couple that wanted to remain anonymous that made the first huge contribution and got it going. And then from then on, we got the word out, we put in for grants, and slowly but surely, we're getting it done. We're about 90, 95% done. But the little bit we got to do is costly. Mm -hmm. Gutters, furnace, air conditioning unit, landscape, those are costly items. But right now, it's beautiful when you walk in. We had an open house yesterday, and people were amazed that were there last year that saw it when you could see stand inside and see outside and we had a raccoon family in there <laughs> and birds roosting in there and to see it now people were just one woman was standing there crying and you had a uh there was another setback uh was a, a, a flooding issue recently? a flooding issue and yeah. you had to deal with that and that the whole town has that issue oh, so yeah. not only did the church have it but uh um the whole town floods if you know, last spring, there was a big issue with flooding. So we're going to work on that uh, in the spring, but we need funds to do that to eliminate that problem. Or I'm thinking if we could get it down to inches of water instead of feet, we're successful. We want to name the basement the Joe Lewis Learning Center. But I want to make sure that the, everyone understands when we are finished renovating this church, it will be a church first and foremost. We have two men, young men, that want to pastor the church. I don't know who will end up doing that. That's not my decision. There are plenty of people, not only black people, but white people that want to be members of this church. And we want to partner with the museum there to have lecture series, mm -hmm. one-person acts, and reenactments there. So we want to have the church open to the community other days, but on Sunday. So you have a long-term mission, vision, and strategy for this place to, yes, to keep we do. it going. Yeah, because once we finish with the church, we would eventually, because we own the lot next door, where used to be the mm -hmm. parsonage, that's been demolished. But we would like to put an annex over there. So when you get married in the church, you go through a breezeway and have your reception. What about the honeymoon? That's on you. <laughs> okay. Just, just checking. Just checking. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that intercultural exchange? Has that created more conversation about reconciling the past and moving into the future? I, I think it has because a lot of the people would like to see the name changed. The name of the church is First Baptist Colored Church of West Baden, Indiana. Mm -hmm. That's history. 
You right. can't change history. That's the legacy of that space. And that name has to stay the same. Right. It yes. has to. We rebuilt the marquee according to what Indiana Landmarks told us, because we have to abide by them, even though we don't get money from them, they tell us what we can and cannot do. So the outside of the building we has to remain the same. Yellow poplar wood, that means every so many years painting it. And we rebuilt the marquee, and it had to say that, and we had to use the same materials, which was sandstone. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. We have to comply with them. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some beautiful front doors picked out, and we're hoping that they will approve them. As far as the inside, we had to make changes that are not 1900, and that meant putting in bathrooms. So we did that. We are restoring, and they have been restored. The original pews are going back into the church. Um, I had volunteered to help stain them, and they go, we think we want a professional stainer. There's no need in putting a beautiful uh, ceiling in. We had to lower that. It was cathedral ceilings. They were beautiful. But to keep the cost down of heating yeah. and cooling, yeah. we lowered the ceiling. Plus, we wanted to hide the steel rods we put in because the walls were bold. Mm -hmm. You could stand outside, and you could see that they were just rounded. The townspeople couldn't figure out how to pull the walls in. So they put a new roof on. The walls were bowed, and the beams inside were burnt. You could see where the wood-burning stove had caught on fire, and it burnt the wall and the beams. Second Baptist Church, Bloomington, Indiana. Six or seven volunteers, old guys in their 80s. Oh, we know how to do that. They pull in the walls. I videotaped every step of the way. The walls were just screaming. They did not want to be pulled in. But these guys had the expertise on their own twice a week for about a year and a half. They've been driving down there and renovating this building. So how long has the renovation taken up until this point? You've been working on this. We've for... been working on it for about a year and a half. We've had the building for three years, but no funds. And funds came in about a year and a half ago, and they're trickling in. Every time we get a dime, we put it in the church, we go ahead and spend it. We weren't waiting until we got the full amount because we would still be waiting. We don't have the full amount. So we got a lot of things done. And we need about thirty to thirty-five thousand dollars, and we will be completely finished. And we've got people, a congregation, waiting. So, if somebody was listening this evening and they wanted to make a gift, where could they make a gift, a donation? Uh, they could Good send question. it to S E D. Make the check out to S. Period E. Period D. I believe it's uh, P.O. Box twenty-five hundred two. Is Second Baptist Church. And in the memo line, you're going to put West Baden Church Renewal Project because the funds go in a pot that's just solely for the church and that stays here in Bloomington. It's not floating around anywhere and we can account for every penny goes into the church and your donations are tax deductible. So if... Uh if someone could not remember the exact address, they could just they can send call it to... Second Baptist Church mm -hmm. and get the exact address or drop a check off there. Okay. Most of the funds have not come from Bloomington. 
because it's a church down there. Yeah. But Bloomington has, uh, Monroe County people have contributed. Mostly the funds that come from Mitchell. We have an anonymous couple that have really put the bill. And then, of course, the uh, town of West Baden and French Lick have all pitched in. This anonymous couple contributed more than once? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, the physical Huge. restoration has been going on about, you said, a year and a yeah, half? About a year and a half. But you've been involved uh, the, the entire three years, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I started going down uh, just to find out what happened with the African-American community. It was huge. And in, in both little towns. So if you combined it, because who was making that the hotels work? Who was making money? And it took the waiters and bellhops and right. the maids to keep things going. So that community was huge. And this was all during segregation. So they had the Dunbar School. They had an AME church. There were... Uh, then, of course, Second Baptist Church. Uh, they had uh, their own entertainment, barbershops, restaurants, several black-owned hotels. Just like so many different areas of the country where blacks were forced into their own To have their own. Yeah. Entrepreneurship during that time was huge. Yeah. We had to take care of our own, had our own businesses. And so all of that was gone. And I was curious as to where people went, where the descendants went, and that's where it started for me. And then when you start talking about the church, because, William, even though you're renovating the church, that's just the building. It's the people I want to find out about that built that church. Who are they? What were they doing? What did they do for the community other than go to church and work in the hotel? Uh, where are their descendants from? And so slowly but surely, I'm putting those pieces together. Yeah, you're so good at doing that. I'm passionate about it. Uh, if it wanna... wasn't fun, I don't have yeah. time. But I enjoy it. <laughs> For our listeners, we're speaking with Miss Liz Mitchell, our our blooming our own historian here for uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, and beyond. Um, she's really an expert in the history of African American communities and um, and how they've intersected with the with white communities um, throughout the state of Indiana. And she's here this evening talking about the West Baden Church Renewal pro Project. And I do have a telephone number for um, Bloomington's uh, Second Baptist, yes. Bloomington. Mm -hmm. And that phone number for our listeners is 812-336-5827, And if you visit sbcbloomington.org sbcbloomington.org there's a beautiful section in there about the West Baden Church Renewal Project mm -hmm. on the website so go ahead and go visit that well, one thing I want to tell you that I found out in my research which I thought was really interesting this church was completed in 1909 the height of Jim Crow segregation. Oh, sure. Yeah. I found a newspaper article about the first church service and dedication of the church. What ministers do you think were in there preaching and came to celebrate that? Put me out of my misery. Come on. Is it the white folk? Hello. Come on. I mean, isn't that From incredible? all of the other churches. So I would like to see that duplicated yeah. because so many of the other churches, since they're white, they have reached out and came over from the day they saw what's there, scraping paint and, 
and tearing out the old walls and stuff. There's a Methodist church called Mount Vernon. It's up on the hill as you're leaving uh, French Lit. Mm -hmm. Headed west. They came, bought us lunch, brought cold drinks because we were working in the heat and had, of course, no air conditioning. And they offered to store the pews and the pianos and everything. We didn't have storage while we worked on it. So that congregation paid for a U-Haul. They came over with this pastor who was elderly, carried the pews out mm. and an old piano and the old organ, which were extremely heavy, and stored them for us. And several occasions bought lunch and cold water to make sure that we stayed hydrated in the height of the summer. And I, and I was really impressed by that because when you're going into a community in Southern Indiana and in a mostly white community, I'm just thinking, what is in store for us? What are we gonna get hit with? And it's been an amazing, positive experience by everybody in the town. Yeah, I just can't help but think <clears throat> of it as some sort of unintended reconciliation project. I, I mean, it's when I hear you talk about the project and I hear you talk about all the different people just come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Literally all races, all classes of people. It's just a way to really be in our most um, humane self, yeah. our highest self. It was. It, and it gave you a good feeling because this is the America you want. That, right, right. And they had decided as a community to have a Christmas open house. So where different houses would open up and as a Christmas tour. So they called me and said, people been saying they want to come in and see the church. At Christmas time. Yeah. So I went down yesterday for the open house. I was there from one to five. And we had so many people coming in. And I was concerned about them walking on the floor. We had the Amish make the floor. And it's beautiful. They did a great job. And so we had put down this heavy duty paper, but we had so many crowds of people. And since we're partnering with the museum, they had set out a donation box just in case anybody, and that donation box, that did good. And people, there was a lady come in that started crying. She said, because I remember driving by and I didn't have to look in the window. You could see inside the church, just looking through the walls because boards were missing, it was about ready to fall in. Mm. And so people were emotional. Some people, one little man, he must have been 80, I think he said he was 85. And he meant this in a positive way. He said, when I was a little boy, I heard the colored singing in here, and boy, that was good music. And I can't wait to hear the colored sing again. And I said, sir, this church is open to everybody. Yes. So you may hear that or yes. you may not. Well, I don't you, know. You can't disappoint the guy now. You got well, <laughs> So you got to come down and sing the Second Baptist Church. Well, I do pray that you uh, helped him understand that they don't call anybody colored anymore. For his age, that's the respectful it, it, term. It's, it's not going to change. Yeah. It's not going to change. Yeah, he, he, probably, he was probably, uh, uh, he probably chose not to use another term. Yeah, for you know. him. He yeah. he was being respectful for that because I have an aunt that's a hundred, and you better not say anything else other than colored. Mm -hmm. 
for her. So it's generation about what's respectful and what's not. But he didn't mean no harm. He was trying to say something really good and positive. You know, out of all the times that, that we've had you on to discuss uh, West Baden in the past, you mentioned some uh, historical trivia that, that just kind of slipped by me the first few times. Let's see if I remember. Um, the rivalry and the uh, Mr. Sinclair did not want his uh, his workers to have to worship in what was it French French Lake. Yeah, and then that that was interesting. But then you also mentioned something about the people wanting to change the name. Well, there were people now 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 that uh, would like to have the word colored right. dropped. Well, what I was going to ask, is there a compromise to be reached in there somewhere? Like, could you have a uh, caption after that or, or no, this something is else history. to go along with that? Yeah, in the end, just, it, it just, has to stay the just same. Just raw. Yeah, it has to. Is that because it's a designated landmark, historical yes. landmark? Yes. Okay, yeah. okay, got it. Both nationally and for the state of Indiana. I wanted to ask you before we go to break, just after all this time that you've been working with this project, Ms. Mitchell, is there anything that has surprised you with this project at all? How it has brought people together and the community together. We had an ice cream social, mm -hmm. and I went, uh, spent, I don't know how many days going to every business in both communities, every business. No one turned me down. Everybody donated something. And that's unusual. That's because they all heard about you. They did. <laughs> they said she'll be back. You and they all helped. No one said no. I got something for uh, an auction to raffle off from every that's business incredible. in French Lick and West Bay. Isn't that story the perfect uh, counter to the garbage that we see coming out of Absolutely. a certain uh, Absolutely. location on the East Coast? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was just, it, it's just great. It's just great to have that. And they came together and they want to save that building. Mm -hmm. They want to save it because they know that's it. And they knew what they've lost with the other buildings associated with African-American culture is gone. The Wadi Hotel is gone, the Dunbar School is gone. And so all of those things that have history, you have a little bit of paperwork. What was interesting to me, and I think I told you this, Wim, they, uh, they said go down to the cemetery, to the colored section. So I went to the cemetery and I'm looking around. Well, who's colored? <laughs> How do I know? How are you supposed to know? Yes, yeah, so I came back into town and one of the ladies said, I will take you and show you. So that was interesting that, and you still have, now that I know what it is, it's sectioned off and blacks had their own insurance because you couldn't get insurance and that's how they were able to pay for this area of the cemetery that's theirs so uh let's talk about the documentary reverend marvin chandler open to the moment with that one or yeah. the west baton because well, i'm doing a documentary on west baton okay. but my first documentary is reverend marvin chandler i started interviewing him in 2010 He's had such a full, rich life. Nobody in Bloomington knows what all this man has done. He was born in Bloomington. His family came as one of the early settlers in Bloomington. 
At one time, Bloomington had four black communities, and one of them was Chandlersville, which is out Arlington Road. That was Chandlersville. Had about 100 residents there. In Monroe County? In Monroe County. So Reverend Marvin Chandler, born here, child prodigy, can play the music, play the piano, graduated from uh, IU School of Music about the time, not long after he got out of high school. He uh, eventually ended up uh, pastoring Second Baptist Church for a while before he left, went on to New York to pastor migrants. He was sent into Attica Prison Riot. Mm-mm. As a negotiator. No kidding. He's got stories to tell. Can you put a year uh, time to some of this so we can? Uh, oh boy! Get an idea of. Uh, now you know I'm old and uh, can't remember everything. I can't remember when Attica Prison Riot went on. Okay, well let's start with uh, Reverend Chandler. You said you started interviewing him in 2010. How old was he then? Uh, he was in his uh, 70s. Okay, and okay. he's in his 80s now. Okay, so we going back. And this is following. Do the math, Roberta. 1971. Okay. So. Okay, so I started yeah. doing following him around to different events that he would put on. He was honored. He is part of Indiana's Jazz Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up to Carmel, Indiana, uh, where they had they were honoring all the black musicians in Indiana because we put jazz musicians out there for our country. And Reverend Marvin Chandler was there, and I went and video team, and we videotaped that and other places that he's played, and just talking to him about his life, being born here, what was it like growing up in Bloomington during the time that he grew up, and meeting his wife and leaving Bloomington, and then go, he went to California and worked with Howard Thurman. Oh, no kidding. So this man has such a rich life mm-hmm. and has done so much, not only for the state of Indiana, but for our country. And his story needs to be told. I mean, that's an incredible story, even what you've just shared here. I had no idea that he was a negotiator. Wow, that's incredible. And and when I took um, the film to him, I wanted him and his wife to look at it for any mistakes that we could have made. I said, would you please preview and and tell me if I got anything wrong? And he was sitting next to me, and when we got to the part about the prison riot and how they died, and they were unarmed. If I don't know if anybody knows that story. Yeah. And I looked over at him, and he was crying. And he said, that bothers him to this day, that a lot of guys died. And then one guy, uh, he went to his funeral and um, did the eulogy at one of the prisoners' funeral. So a lot of things is really touching. And then here's a man so loving and so sensitive and so strong and how he feels about how do you be a jazz musician and a minister? So that was my first take. How do you, how do you handle that? And hearing his explanation about that. So here's an amazing man that everybody can, when you see that documentary, you will be able to take something away from that. So I want people to come see it February 3rd, 3 o'clock, 
Buskirk Chumley Theater, and the admission is non-perishable food. Because to me, it's more important for people to see it than to try to make a dime. So why Reverend Chandler? What made you uh, decide to focus on him and his life? Well, for me, if I hear something about somebody and it touches me, that's why out of everybody here, there's some other stories I want to tell, but his was so compelling and what he's done in his life, everybody needs to know about that. Okay, and this is unrelated to West Baden. It's not associated with West Baden. Okay. That will be my second documentary. Okay, well, let's talk about that for a little bit then. Okay, what what I'm working on with them, we got all the film footage about the restoration. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, people built that church, and it's about the people. Who are they? What were they doing? Uh, what? How many children did they have? Other than going to work, what did they do in the community? How did they even arrive there to begin with? So I'm working on that part of it because we have all the restoration done, every little thing, we've documented that. So now I, I, when I have, I started before we even started doing the restoration, my thing was to find out about the people. So I, I found most of the original members, who they were, and I found descendants of two families from that church. One family's in New York and the other one's in Louisville, Kentucky. And so that's been interesting to find out their accomplishments and what they've done. One's in the medical field. The other lady, uh, her parents were the deacon and the organist at the church. And she had children. One of them uh, was, the girl's name was Evans. She got married and left West Baden went to Ohio and had six children, got her master's degree, moved to New York because you can get educated free, had child number seven. Her husband educated too. They both got their doctorate degrees. He ended up doing a little stint on Saturday Night Live. The children ended up being judges, prosecutors, all had very good jobs. One lady, uh, one daughter, was a prosecutor, quit that job, and became a nun. And she's a nun today. Uh, the others were school teachers. Not exactly the normal progression from... Uh, wow. Lived on Long Island. Yeah. Wow. So I've been in contact with them. So now I like to see how many other families, because I got... Uh, they sent me photos and stuff, and so we're going to have a wall with original church members and, and the other wall recognizing the people that made the renovations possible. And Are so, you at liberty to say any of the names? Of? The uh, descendants or, or the, the original? I want to say that. Yeah, that's. I don't want to give everything. Yeah. Steal well, it thunder, William. Don't yeah, steal can't, it thunder. can't blame her brother for trying to do <laughs> teasing. What I wanted to ask is: there an anticipated grand party opening date? We're going to have something for our donors. We want them to come in and see everything mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. and then after that, of course, we're going to rededicate the church. Okay. But we're going to have something so that any and everybody can come in. Right. And then uh, we will have a premiere there. Yesterday I was asked 
to premiere the documentary for West Bain Church at the Mitchell Opera House, which has been renovated. Oh. They want to have a premiere there, and of course, we'll do something here in Bloomington. So I anticipate at least three premieres. For Reverend Marvin Chandler documentary, I'm working on trying to have the second premiere in Indianapolis because that's where he lives today. And I'm hoping that the Gene and Marilyn Glick uh, History yeah. Center will allow yeah. us to do that there. Right. I contacted Madam Walker's building. Yes. Not knowing they were closed for renovation. Yes. Lily had donated $15 million. Yes. Indiana University Lily Foundation. Yeah. Okay. It's that's huge, awesome. It's a huge, I didn't know until I kept thing. calling them and thought, they haven't called me back. What is going on? Yeah. So yeah, I'm really happy about that. that too, uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Absolutely not. I get to work with some brilliant visionaries who made that possible. You but don't it know is how so personal exciting. that means to me because mm -hmm. I grew up in Indy. Mm -hmm. That was the only movie theater I could go to as a child. Mm. So to see that being renovated, oh, oh yeah. thank you, Jesus. In the last two minutes that we have left, yes. uh, you just came back from Egypt and Africa. Just yes. real quick, please. That was an awesome experience. My husband had always wanted to see the pyramids, and I had always wanted to see the doors of no return. And I thought that when I got to the door of no return, which is the, the door that the captured Africans went out of and became slave, they boarded the ships, I thought that would be really emotional for me to see that. I did not know about the last bath. That got to me, so when I saw the door of no return, I was okay. But the last bath where the slaves, who some had been marched 300 miles or more, came to to wash up just in water and to be prepared to be sold, uh, that was very emotional to me. Uh, the guide said, take off your shoes if you want to do what your ancestors did. And I did that and went down to this riverbed, which was full of gold. I'm standing in gold. And so I did the washing ritual that our ancestors had done. I came back and they have a wall that, of course, I found out through DNA, my, some of my ancestors actually came from Ghana. Mm -hmm. So I signed the wall, put my name there, that your daughter has returned in your place. That was pretty good. Very thoughtful. That's amazing. Well, uh, Liz, we are, unfortunately, we are just about out of time. But fortunately, you are a Bring It On uh, anchor and contributor. Mm -hmm. So this I'll is definitely back. not your last visit. No, it's not. <laughs> and we look forward to the, whenever you do come back and uh, anchor and do some more uh, Dark Past, Bright Future segments and anything else you want to uh, contribute to. Okay. All right. Well, again, happy holidays and thanks Thank for having you. me. Thank you for joining us. So on that note, our thanks to bringing on contributor Liz Mitchell, who was here to talk about the restoration project for the First Baptist Colored Church of West Baden Springs and to provide some background on an upcoming documentary. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure that we're sharing everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org.
Right, you just heard Little Drummer Boy by the Five Blind Boys of Alabama. This song was from the Go Tell It on the Mountain album. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like the WFHB Facebook page. 
Go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB, or you can always visit our news website at WFHB.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org for Bring It On, I'm Roberta Radovich. I'm William Hosea. It is time to give you the latest perspective on the people, news, and issues affecting the black community for Bring It On. I'm William Hosea. And I'm still Roberta Radovich. Yes, you are. So first up, we've got um, some items from right here in our local community. Uh, The Commission on the Status of Black Males has a meeting from 5.30 to 6.30. Excuse me, I'm going to go with news first instead of calendar events. Yolanda Ford wins runoff election, becoming first African-American woman to serve as Missouri City Mayor. She previously served on the city council for five years before becoming Missouri City's first African-American and first woman elected as mayor. In Missouri City, Texas, station KHOU's Brandon Scott wrote that Yolanda Ford defeated incumbent Mayor Alan Owen in a runoff election Saturday, making her the first African American and first woman to serve as mayor of Missouri City. Ford previously served as a member of the City Council for District A since 2013. Owen had held the position of mayor since 1994. Ford will take the oath of office on December 17th. In a quote, uh, I've had the, I've had to do this against Georgia's homegrown architect for voter suppression, she said in an apparent reference to Kemp. I'm so proud that the residents of City, Missouri, that of Missouri City, have elected me as their mayor. Ford said, after having served on the city council for the past five years and as a lifelong resident, I am deeply invested in the well-being and growth of Missouri City. And I look forward to working with citizens, the city council, and others towards its betterment, Ford said. Where was this again? In Missouri City. Okay. Ford was Ford was only the fourth woman in the history of Missouri City to be elected a city council position. She had run a grassroots mayoral campaign based on issues such as increasing city revenue, building economic opportunity, creating redevelopment initiatives, and promoting community safety and addressing aging infrastructure. Ford is a native of Missouri City who attended Fort Bend Public Schools and graduated from Duels High School. She earned a bachelor's of science degree in psychology from the University of Houston and a Master of Architecture degree from the from Perry View AME University. Now here's a story about a white police officer who says he was fired for not shooting a black male suspect in Weirton, Virginia. Stephen Mater, a white police officer from the Worden Police Department, was fired after deciding not to shoot a black male suspect has filed a federal lawsuit against the department and won a settlement for wrongful termination last February. Imagine that. A recent story from ProPublica unveils the whole story that surrounds what happened that night in 2016. 
Mader, a 25-year-old rookie police officer and former Marine veteran who has served in Afghanistan, responded to a domestic dispute in Worden, West Virginia on midnight of May 2016. There he encountered R.J. Williams, the black man and the ex-boyfriend of the 911 caller who was drunk and was hiding his hands on his back. Mader commanded Williams to show him his hands several times, but he refused. When Williams finally showed his hands, a silver and black pistol was resting in his right hand pointing at the ground. What happened next was unexpected and shocking to many. Put the gun down, Mader said. I can't do that, Williams said. I don't want to shoot you, brother, Mader said. Put the gun down. Just shoot me, Williams said repeatedly. Mader chose not to shoot and kill Williams, despite Williams seemingly being a threat to his life considering he was holding a gun. Instead, he tried to defuse the situation. Eventually, backup arrived and thought Mader needed some help. Williams, who still refused to drop the gun and even raised it, was fatally shot by one of the officers. Williams' gun was not loaded as what his ex-girlfriend initially told the 9-11 dispatcher. Apparently, Williams was suicidal at the time. The caller told the dispatcher he said he was going to threaten the police with it just so they would shoot him. Now, as I was reading that, it kind of took a different twist, didn't it? It sure did. I mean, it started off uh, leading you to believe that Officer Mater didn't he chose not to shoot him and defuse the situation with no loss of life. And then the Lone Ranger shows up on the scene and does what police so often do in situations like that. You know? Anyhow. Well, a study has found that gun violence has cut more than four years, William, off the life expectancy of black Americans. We, we weren't doing so well already anyway. So this study, uh, Nick Wing of HuffPost reports that gun violence has shortened the life expectancy of Americans by nearly 2.5 years, with shootings driving down the average lifespan of black Americans by almost twice as much of that as white Americans, according to a study published this week. The new research, led by a professor at the Boston University School of Medicine, examined federal data on gun deaths between 2000 and 2016. The study determined that black Americans have lost 4.14 years of life expectancy due to gun violence, while white Americans lost 2.23 years. Researchers found stark racial differences in the in the manner of death, as well as the ages at which the people killed people were killed in the shootings. Black Americans died much more frequently due to homicide, often at young ages, with many dying before the age of twenty. For white Americans, gun death gun deaths due to suicide were more prevalent, taking place more frequently among older individuals. The study didn't measure data for Hispanic Americans due to broader limitations in how federal data is reported that makes it difficult to accurately differentiate between Hispanics and non-Hispanics. It also didn't measure data for other racial or ethnic groups. The research further underscores that that severe toll 
that the severe toll of gun violence in the United States, along with the long-standing glaring racial disparities, is how it most affects people. Between 2015 and 2016, a total of 27,394 people died in firearm homicides in the U.S., while an additional 44,955 people died in suicides, according to a report published by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention last month. I wonder how many of those were police shootings. Now, we absolutely have to finish this off with some good news starring uh, Tyler Perry. Filmmaker and actor Tyler Perry has shown his generosity once again. This time, he decided to write checks to two local Walmart stores to pay off outstanding layaway items that were registered at the stores. One store was in the city of Atlanta and the other was in nearby Douglasville. According to TMZ, he sent a check for $178,000 to one store and another check for $256,000 to the other, totaling $430,000. Naturally, the customers were thrilled to hear this and all they had to do was pay a penny to pick up their items. Later, Perry posted a video on Twitter to address why he did what he did. In the video, he says, I was trying to do this anonymously, but nothing these days stays secret. He continues, I know it's a hard time for a lot of people and that people are struggling, and I'm just really grateful to be in a position to do this. Tyler Perry is known for his television shows and films, but also his many generous acts of kindness. He has helped many individuals, families, and even organizations over the years, especially those in the Atlanta area. What do you think? I think that's pretty fantastic. You're thinking you should have went to Atlanta, I huh? think I should have gotten some stuff and yeah. put it on layaway at Walmart. And that was a look at African-American headline news from around the world for this week. Tune in again next week for the latest news on and for the African-American community. We want to know what you think of current black issues. Please send your comments to Bring It On at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Roberta Radovich. You're listening to Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM on your radio and live at the web, live, at the, live on the web at WFHB.org. It could be at the web. <laughs> By now in New York City, there's no
just heard Christmas in Dixie, our second selection from the Blind Boys of Alabama. It's time to bring you the events of interest in the black community. For Bring It On, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Roberta Radovich. Alrighty, so getting to the calendar item. Uh, the Commission on the Status of Black Males will host uh, a meeting at 5.30 to 6.30 in City Hall Hooker Conference Room. Um, the Bloomington Commission on the Status of Black Males was established in 2001. The Commission's purpose and duties include to develop action committees addressing problems of black males in the area of education, health, criminal justice, and employment, to serve as a catalyst to promote positive public and private remedies in the multifaceted problem confronting Afri black males in our community and the resulting effects on the entire community, to organize and convene community forums and neighborhood-based focus groups to discuss the status of black males, and finally to network with groups with similar missions such as the Indiana Commission on the Social Status of Black Males, the African American National Council, and local commissions throughout the state sharing ideas, information, data, and plans. If you're interested, you can contact uh, the 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 Status of Black Males Commission at CSBM at Bloomington INGOV. That's CSBM at Bloomington dot IN dot GOV or by calling them at area code 812 349 3430. Again, that's area code 812 349 3430. The Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Birthday Celebration Commission seeks to promote and celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday and promote the acceptance of diversity in the community. The commission sponsors events and programs to commemorate the annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Federal Holiday, including a Volunteer Service Day initiative, a day on, not a day off, 40 days of peace. The Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Legacy Award 
and the annual community-wide Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. birthday celebration. The commission also sponsors events throughout the year which promote justice, racial harmony, and equal opportunity. You can contact Michael Shermis at 812-349-3471 or mlk at bloomington.in.gov. Michael Shermis, Special Projects Coordinator, Community and Family Resources Department. Again, that number is 812-349-3471. If you have an, an, an event or a happening uh, in the African American that the African American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, please contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Our thanks again to Bring It On contributor Liz Mitchell, who was here to talk about the restoration project for the First Baptist Colored Church of West Baden Springs and to provide some background on an upcoming documentary. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Theo Wilson. Our original theme music was created by Jamal FM, with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Roberta Radovich. I'm William Hosea. Tune in next Monday, December 17th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.